0: Hi everyone, my name is Kelsey, and I am the host of the Curious Clit podcast. This is a podcast that seeks to spark conversations and curiosity about sex and our bodies. And today I have with me Brandy Hearn, who is my friend from my yoga teacher training. And Brandy is a strong dedicated, resilient wife and mother to three teenage boys. Life has tried to make her lose her balance many times, and every time yoga has been there to help her regain her focus and reconnect with her heart. Health challenges took hold in March of 2022. The stress and trauma associated with her career as the assistant to the chief of police and the violence tearing through black homes, such as hers, communities, and families was too much for her body to bear. She was hospitalized and diagnosed with complex PTSD, functional neurological disorder, non-epileptic seizures, tics, tremors, anxiety, extreme fatigue, and a host of other limitations, all of which were stress-related. The need to establish the mind-body connection was overwhelming, and when Western medicine could only offer a spot on a waitlist, Brandy's main focus became educating herself about the mental and physical benefits of yoga, meditation, body awareness, mind-body connections, emotional regulation, stress reduction, and nervous system regulation. Since March of 2022, she has completed a Reiki master training, a 200-hour yoga teacher training with Yandara Yoga Institute, a 200-hour trauma-informed yoga teacher training with School Yoga Institute, as well as continued education in the areas of reparenting your inner child, a deep dive into the chakras intuition, awakening, and yoga through the lens of incarceration and trauma. She is currently working on a 95-hour kids yoga teacher training, a 300-hour yoga teacher training, a mindfulness-based stress reduction course, pranayama or breathwork certification, as well as an Ayurvedic nutritionist certification. Right now, her sole focus is healing and finding out how to work with her body to provide an iron environment to nurture herself back to a whole way of being. After that, who knows what the future may hold. story has always really impacted and resonated with me from when I first heard it at our yoga teacher training to now. And I'm really grateful that Brandy is here today to share her story with all of us. So welcome, Brandy.
1: (laughs) Thank you, Kelsey, for that introduction. And I just want to say thank you for having me here and Thank you to my husband for writing that beautiful introduction. Um, those were not my words. <laughs> um, so I appreciate him very much. And um, yes, my journey has been, it's been a journey. So I am grateful, so grateful to, to be here with you today and, and be able to speak and do a podcast with you.
0: I'm so grateful too. And that's really beautiful to hear that he wrote that. I think that really speaks to the love that you two share and like the connection that you have.
1: Yeah, I I actually call him affectionately my word magician, so he has a <laughs> way with words. Nobody knows. So, yes, it it is very much a a connection that is deeper than than just here on this on this plane of existence. So, I'm very grateful. It's
0: so beautiful feeling a little nervous to have this conversation because you're one of my first guests and but I'm very excited for us to talk today and um I want to share a little bit about how we met
1: if that's okay yes I love I'm feeling (laughs) nervous as well so you're not alone (laughs)
0: Um, So Brandy and I met at our 200-hour yoga teacher training at Yandara Yoga Institute in um, Baja, California, in Mexico. And Brandy was one of the first people that made me feel really seen and heard and comfortable at the training. Um, I remember, like, that first night I think we shared you know, a little bit about like what had gotten us really into yoga and like what its impact on us had been. And I share that um, yoga had been something that had been really helping me heal from sexual violence. And I think you came up to me while we were eating dinner and, you know, you shared that it was really brave of me to say that. And I don't know, that really, I felt very seen um, in that moment. And then we had um, satya together, which was like a circle where we um, shared with each other some things that were coming up for us, like in our lives and at the training. Um, and I think while we've had very different experiences in life, some things that we've had happen to us and we've experienced have overlapped. Um, and. I've been really grateful that we've stayed in contact since the training and that we um, we follow each other on Instagram, and I've been very grateful for the way that you have supported my posts and sharing um, some of your stories on some of the questions that I've posted. And I really felt like um, your story could be really powerful for people to hear, and that's why I was really excited and grateful that you said okay to being on the podcast.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm really excited and grateful that you asked me and I mirror that sentiment back to you that you sharing what you did made me feel really seen. Um, I have not been around a group of individuals before that were that open and that willing to be that open. Um, I had done my Reiki master training just previously to that. So my heart chakra had already been burst wide open by the (laughs) lovely, lovely group that I had been with previous to that. And it was the perfect space to step into. And I felt with you sharing what you did, it allowed me to drop my guard right away And like you said, in that first Satya circle, I just felt seen by the people that were there and that I could just bare my soul and it would stay right there on that sand and it wasn't going anywhere. So I appreciated the space that you opened up. I think it was a great way to start the entire training and to know that that we're safe in this space to be who we are and to come as we are and to show up as we are.
0: Yeah. So I really,
1: really appreciated that about you.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Brandy. I think that space was so powerful for, you know, like, like you said, to be able to be there and to open up and share with people. Cause I think that oftentimes we don't share those things, And I think sometimes by not sharing, that actually ends up causing more harm than um, if we were able to, you know, share with people what we've been experiencing and going through.
1: So to your point, that's exactly what caused my health concerns. And that's why I'm so full of gratitude to be able to speak with you today. Um, it's Last year, I, I completely lost that ability to, to speak, and that was due to many, many years of not speaking my truth, and then finding myself in a position working for the police department where I had to speak their truth, which was almost in direct opposition of my truth. Uh, so it created an extreme imbalance inside of my system and it threw me into these seizures and the inability to walk and inability to speak and that is what I've been doing over the last last year is finding my center and knowing what keeps my body at a level where I can tolerate life and that is speaking my truth and not stuffing emotion or my truth down but letting that out
0: yeah and that must have been of an incredibly challenging process to be able to to start speaking again to learn to feel safe in your body to not be just pushing everything down like you'd had before to survive
1: yeah, and trust me it's a work in progress. I <laughs> I've had <laughs> multiple seizures this week and so it it, it is um something that I'm con- constantly working on and I'm, you know, getting a lot of assistance with and um again my family, my husband really is my rock and my anchor. He's taking a yoga teacher training as well. Yeah as well as a meditation coach. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> um, yeah, I was prescribed meditation and yin yoga. That is my current prescription from therapy. So my husband has taken it upon himself to learn meditation so that he can then teach it to me, since it is something that I'm prescribed. So that love there really runs deep. And it is really what is opening my system back up to, to even being able to function. I mean, I still sit in the parking lots of stores and, and I leave because I I can't get my body to, to physically go inside. So it, it is a, a work in progress. Um, I use the same deck as you, the trauma informed <laughs> yoga deck. Uh, I'm looking at one of the cards right now. It says, I deserve to feel safe. Uh, I have not been able to say those words. I am safe until about three months ago. So it is a constant everyday struggle for me with my body and so that's why I take it as seriously as I do. Like you said, I have three sons, so I, I have a lot to live for. And I want to be able to walk and speak and be a part part of my children's life. So that that's really what motivates me to learn myself so that I can then show up at, as a whole person.
0: Yeah. That's really powerful. And it um, makes me think a little bit about, you know, what was in your bio around like Western medicine failing you. And I'm wondering if you could kind of speak a little bit about that process, like what, like what happened around kind of like seeking out that Western medical care to, you know, really pursuing all these different paths to healing.
1: <laughs> so the last year when, when this happened to me, I was in the hospital for over a week, and they basically didn't have any answers for me. They ran every test they could. I had spinal punctures. I had EEGs, EKGs, CAT scans, MRIs. I, I had everything, and there was nothing. So... That's basically what functional neurological disorder is, is it's a catch-all for when they cannot find anything neurologically wrong with your system. My seizures are non-epileptic, so there is no misfiring going on in the brain. So there is not a medication that you can take to make it stop. That's not the way that it works. It is dysregulation in the body that then comes out and manifest in physical forms. So they offered me a spot on a wait list. Post-COVID, resources have been cut, and I was put on a wait list for three to four months, is what they had told me. So in the meantime, they took my driver's license. I can't drive. My kids, I had to have my best friend. Oh, thank God for her. <laughs> I just love her. Thank you so much, Cassidy. <laughs> shout out, I love you. Um, she brought my kids to school for me. I send them to better schools so that they do not go to the schools in our neighborhood. She drove them every day for me. I live in Minnesota. It's very cold. I was in the winter time, so sitting in my basement all alone while my kids went to school, my husband went to work, becoming more and more depressed. So the only thing that they told me is, wait. So my husband said, absolutely not. We had some friends that had been down to Mexico and been to Yandara. She recommended the Reiki Master training. They knew friends down there. I felt safe to go. I went. And that's what started all of this. I did my Reiki master. Like I said, my heart chakra was just burst wide open. And then it just continued from there. A mutual friend of ours that was at our yoga teacher training was the kindest woman ever. She does not have any children, but would be the best mother ever. I told her this. I wish (laughs) she could be my mom, my aunt, (laughs) all of the above. She told me that I needed to listen to my body. I was going to go into a seizure. She brought me back to my tent. She laid me down. She took care of me like a mother. I never had that growing up with my mother. She was not that way. And so all of this was healing me without any Western medicine. And what was healing me was being around people. That were so living in their own truth. And all they did was show up with love. That was it. And all of us there. We were all messes in our own ways. (laughs) We all had our (laughs) own stuff going on. We were there for our (laughs) own reasons. (laughs) You know. But the kindness and the love and the warmth and the openness. It really changed me. And I started to climb the mountain every morning by myself. Mm-hmm. And I taught myself how to walk again. I started speaking slowly. Everyone was so patient with me. It wasn't like when I was back here. The doctors were so impatient. Nobody would listen to me. My tics mm-hmm. would get worse.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, my tics right now are great because I'm so comfortable with you. So that is another thing. That I noticed is energy is so impactful to my system. Um, Western medicine. Any time that I have taken a medication, I have had horrible, horrible consequences, and that's basically all they were offering too. So I took my chances and I went and. The healing that I did was quantum while I was there. I actually had a quantum quantum hypnosis uh, session while I was there. And these different modalities that I was open to showed me a different side of healing and a different side of my own body and my subtle body energies that I had never known before. And again, that goes back to childhood, being told by my mom that I was a weird witchy little girl and I was born into the wrong family and always feeling like I was out of place. So I felt that place at Yandara. Those were my people. You were my people. I could tell you the deepest things in my soul and like be seen for who I was and be met with just nothing but love and compassion. And that was something that I had not experienced. And so it was so eye-opening to me. And then when I came back, it was like Western medicine had the same thing to offer again. There was roadblocks Mm -hmm. with insurance and it was just one problem after the other. My job didn't do what they were supposed to do. My insurance got messed up. It was a whole thing. Got kicked off the wait list then had to start over on the wait lists because I didn't have active insurance because of the snafu, we'll call it, with my job. And it was such a frustrating process because it had been months and I hadn't gotten any treatment. The only thing that we had done was what we had done. And I'm so grateful for my husband for taking the burden and the brunt of our three children and working every day and sending me there because that is the most healing that I've gotten in these, what, 15 months now since March of 2022. And Yet still to this day, the most help that I get is from myself and from my husband. And really, that's what Western medicine taught me is that it's all inside of us. So when we're looking to Western medicine to help us, they are treating the symptom. They're not treating the underlying cause. So my underlying causes are stress and trauma. And so that's what needs to be treated is stress and trauma. And so my husband jokes now, we're a trauma-informed family. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) if you're not trauma-informed, like it might not work for you over here. (laughs) So (laughs) it's just kind of our approach to life now and having three kids and seeing that they each have their own trauma and they've lived here in this home with us but they all are very different and they all have their own stuff. And that's really what this comes down to is yourself. And that's what all these alternate modalities have taught me is nobody can tell me what my system is doing. Nobody can tell me if I have an internal tornado going on. They don't know. Yeah. Nobody can tell me if I have vomit up to here because I I don't know what is going on inside of me. A smell, a sound, a sight, anything can trigger trauma. And everyone has varying degrees of trauma. And one thing working in the police has taught me is you can take 20 people that all saw the same thing and you will get 20 different versions of events because we all see it through our own lens and that is what our bodies are telling us the body keeps the score that book opened my eyes like no other book before because that is the truth our body keeps the score our trauma our good our bad what we suppress repress all of it and it manifests in our body and comes out physically in many different ways, and it's disease in the body. And so that's really what I'm focusing on is healing my own body. And like you said, that comes with sexual trauma, that comes with racial trauma, that comes with familial trauma, generational trauma, all of that. And how do we sift through that and come back to the body? How do we get our body and our mind to work in unison? Because mine are fighting each other, and that's when I have seizures. That's when I can't speak. That's when I can't walk. When my body and mind are at war with each other.
0: You've been through a lot in the past year and a half and over the course of your
1: life, and I think. You know, I've always been struck by just
0: so many things, but hearing the way that your body finally said, like, no, like, you're not listening to me. Like, I've been hurting so deeply and I really need to be heard. And I think it's really, I mean, powerful that, like, you finally started listening. And I think your body was very, like, <laughs> clear about it
1: there oh. were warning signs there's yeah. always warning signs <laughs> I had a hernia in 2020 I should have listened then but I did not I went back to work three days later so like you said your body is telling you but it, it's up to us as to whether or not we're gonna listen
0: yeah and I think that's something that I don't know like western medicine really misses of like just Allowing people to really like witness those warning signs and take them seriously and not just trying to cover up the symptom of it, you know, because I think a lot of these issues are often caused by stress and trauma that people haven't addressed. And like you said, with your own experience, like in order to do that healing, you really have to address like the the roots of that trauma and that stress in order to do that.
1: Um, Yeah, I agree. And I think one thing my husband said, he said, uh, he thought my body was addicted to stress. And I agree with him because I had lived in a stress state for so long that I think my body, the only way it knew how to function is with those stress hormones. And I think that's part of the reason why I chose the job that I did. (laughs) But along with what you're saying is, when we are constantly in stressful situations or traumatic situations, such as working for the police department and uploading photos and videos and witness statements and dictating reports, those are traumas that we are going through. Your body reacts the same way when you read, see, hear trauma as if it happened to you yeah. or is happening. So when we are in a profession where we are constantly being traumatized and then told to go to the next call or the next report or whatever we are not allowing our bodies to feel what is happening and to move through that we are just repressing and suppressing and repressing and suppressing until our bodies can't take it anymore
0: yeah and i think um Kind of like what you were saying is that our bodies become used to that stress for so long, and like that's how we're functioning. It's like where our bodies are comfortable of just like repressing it and like continuing forward and not like actually taking time to acknowledge like the toll all those things have had on each of us. And like you said, like we've all had experiences that are you know traumatic in various ways and I think about even like the experience of COVID on all of us like that is a worldwide trauma that we all went through and we all experienced different things but you know like how many of us have actually acknowledged like the impact of that on our bodies and on a like in a deeper way
1: exactly I, I couldn't agree more and I think Having children has really opened my eyes to trauma in a different way as well. Um, Everyone experiences everything differently and seeing what each one of my children has gone through and the different traumas that they have witnessed or have had happen to them and then dealing with that as a mother has really helped me to be able to deal with myself and then to also do that inner child work, that reprocessing and that leads into sexuality and still being able to be open when you have had trauma regarding sexuality and how do you teach your children about sexuality when you've been traumatized? So. I think it's just such a beautiful thing when we can wrap our minds around our own total existence so that we can show up from a whole place for others.
0: Yeah, that's very true. Like, you know, we have to kind of understand some of the things that we've been through or we've experienced and how that might impact the way that we're interacting with people in our lives, including our loved ones, our kids, our spouses. Um, And I've been always, you know, really amazed by the way that, you know, you have spoken to me about the way that you talk with your kids about sex and like that openness and really, you know, like not having shame around talking about it with them. And I'm curious about like what kind of messages and stuff that you received as a kid from people in your life from your culture like the media movies um anything in that realm and how that's um kind of impacted your life and work and like how you've kind of had to acknowledge those things in order to then support your kids as well sorry that's a very big
1: question (laughs) (laughs) that's okay i will unpack it little by little no um (laughs) So with my kids, my husband and I were very intentional with our parenting and the way that we approached sex with our children. My experience as a child was the exact opposite. Nobody talked about it. Nobody said anything about it. Um, It wasn't discussed ever. So we came from a very religious background, strict religious background. And so I grew up that way and sex was only for marriage and masturbation was bad. All of all of those typical Midwestern Christian values, I guess. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) yeah, so it was not something that was discussed and. For a while, it instilled a lot of fear in me because I didn't understand why it wasn't talked about. And then the older I got, I became curious. And I remember in fifth grade, I had sex ed and it also happened to be my grandma's neighbor. (laughs) So um, I would find myself kind of going over to her house and she taught me how to crochet Um, so (laughs) I found myself asking her questions and she told me about a book. So one time when my dad took me to Barnes and Noble, I remember just like being like, okay, I have to get up the courage to ask him to buy me this book. It was (laughs) like, what, what's happening to my body or something like that. And it was so awkward to ask him. I slipped it in with a bunch of other books because he would buy me pretty much any book ever. So I threw him in there, you know, in between and he's looking through, okay, okay. Oh, oh, and he just skipped over it, put it back and, and just was, nothing was said about it. And I could just see it and feel it. And it was like, oh my gosh, okay, whatever. So he purchased it. And so then I was just in my room, just reading because I'm like, You know this was fascinating to me. the birth of babies, and I'm a creator, and i I have this ability and it was just something that fascinated me, so I just started reading voraciously and i I was already a voracious reader, so I started reading novel after novel. My parents had no idea what I was reading <laughs> you know, fifth, sixth grade, reading about you know anal penetration and you know all kinds of things so. I'm (laughs) trading books with my dental hygienist if my parents ever knew what I would have been reading they would have you know you're never going back there (laughs) lo and behold I was reading these books so I had this in me where I had this curiosity and and I was always um, I liked my body too I felt beautiful and sexual and I was a tomboy I grew up with a mother that was not feminine at all so uh, I was very much a tomboy and I remember kind of coming into my own femininity and my mother just being outraged and it was such an odd feeling for me. And it was a crushing blow of like, wow, this should be a celebrating time of my life, and I'm feeling really good. And, you know, it was just like the opposite. So I felt really alone in all of that. And then being in the religion, it was kind of the same thing. I had nobody to talk to. And so I felt really isolated and alone. And that's when I just kind of retreated back into myself again, and I started, uh, you know, just kind of going inward and not really dealing with that part of myself until I got a little bit older. So, yeah, you know, then I, there was the Shinders days. I grew up in the era without cell phones, so. You know, my kids have, have no idea what that even means. (laughs) So I know you can now look at porn on your fingertips, you know, anytime you want, but it wasn't that way when I was a kid. So, you know, there was those times where you go in your parents' bedroom and snoop through everything and you might Mm -hmm. find some porn like I did. And it's like, well, what's this, it opens a whole new world, you know, So, yeah, I remember that and babysitting, of course. You know, you find the guy's porn stash, and so you look through that. And <laughs> those were, Little
0: did they know? Those were
1: kind of, yeah, I know, right? Those were kind of my early experiences. Probably also why my kids never had a babysitter. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've never been a person to watch my kids because I think it's weird <laughs> that they yeah. look through your stuff. no matter whether they say they don't or not they do for sure (laughs) they they do yeah so um yeah I think those were my earliest experiences and then life really took a turn for me at the age of 15 um, I went to juvenile detention Um, my mother and I things had gotten so bad that She had lied to the police and she had actually thrown a plate at me and said that I had attacked her and I was put into the Isani County Sheriff's Ranch for a number of months. And that experience to being a young female in a juvenile detention center with other angry young females. Yeah, uh, it was a very scary experience and a very hard, 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 hardening experience. Um, yeah. yeah, it was really difficult. So again, really kind of retreated into myself, and you know that experience was scary, and I felt really vulnerable and betrayed. So when I got out, you know, um. I made some unsafe decisions I got with a guy and lost my virginity to him in one of my babysitting people's basements. Sorry, but <laughs> 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 um, yeah, and that was a whole experience in and of itself. I mean, losing your virginity in that way. And then uh, I remember right after it happened, the guy told me, yeah, I'm, I'm actually late for a date. So I've got to go.
0: Oh my god. So, <laughs> what a yeah, asshole. it was a really,
1: yeah, really confusing uh experience for me. And that same asshole turned out to be my now ex-husband. So yeah, oh early warning signs of an asshole, run away. <laughs> <laughs> I I did not learn that lesson. And so yeah, there was a lot of trauma that came from that experience. And then um you know, with the rejection and everything that came with my family, and then feeling that from him, I clung even harder. And so, yeah, my early experiences with sex, I would say, were not ideal, not ideal at all. Um, and that kind of shaped the way that I decided to parent my kids and speak about sex and be really honest and open. I had to find my own birth control. I had to find a clinic. So, when my kids approached that age, I always was very open. I showed them the exact clinic that I went to that is still right here by the home that we live in. So, they have resources. I wanted them to feel resourced and supported and not have the same experience that I did and that my husband did. So, we made intentional decisions. Uh, when it came to sex and anything regarding your body or private parts they were always named appropriately I felt that was very important from an early age your elbow your penis your shoulder it's all the same you know so uh, yeah I think just showing that dignity and respect from the beginning was a a very intentional decision that we made
0: it's huge and I mean for you to like as a kid you were so curious and you know open Mm -hmm. and like you know like having that love for your body and wanting to explore and then like slowly all those experiences over time kind of teaching you that there's something shameful about your body about those changes about expressing your femininity and then you know like not having a support system and like seeking that love from someone who was also an unsafe person because that's how you'd been like taught to seek love and i mean how incredible it is that you were able to witness that and to see it and to decide like i don't want to give that life to my kids and i want to give them something different and to make those changes
1: Yes, and you know, there was a lot of a lot of hard lessons along the way, and you know, I ended up staying with him for far too long, like I said, we met when I was fifteen, and that relationship didn't terminate until I was twenty four so you know, there was a lot of trauma in there, and a lot that I know that I also passed down to my son um that is his biological father. And there was a lot of trauma that happened during my pregnancy as well. So, you know, those hormones are all being passed down and, you know, just directly to that, to that fetus. And so there's a lot of healing going on in our family right now too. And it's just, it's really beautiful to see because Everything's coming full circle now and you know the trauma that my son and I experienced is really just blossoming into something that is just magnificently beautiful and beyond my wildest dreams you know mm-hmm. our family is so strong I've been married to my husband now for 14 years and yeah. he is the father of my son all three of my sons and you know our our family that we have built is just Built on a foundation of honesty and vulnerability and openness, and that's really what we've tried to cultivate for our kids is a place where you can come and be yourself and be seen for who you are and get help if that's what you need or just cry or just be yourself or lay on the floor and feel like shit, you know, <laughs> however you're showing up today is totally cool because this is the human experience. And that's what I'm trying to give myself and then give my kids. So I didn't have that. And I'm learning how now to give it to myself, so that I can then model that for my children, because this world is hard, you know, and there's a lot of a lot of stuff that happens, like you said, on a daily basis, and they grew up grew up in COVID times. And you know, this has, it's been challenging and to see their mom have seizures and, you know, not know how I'm going to be showing up today too. So it's taken a huge toll on our family, but it's really brought us closer. And that's Mm -hmm. what, you know, I'm so full of gratitude for is the closeness that, that this has brought for us. And sexuality is part of that because we're all sexual beings again. So, you know, knowing that you can show up and be your full self. And if you have a question or, you know, I'd rather have my kids ask me and my husband <laughs> than the internet, Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <So, laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I would rather be giving them the information or finding, finding the uh, answer together, you know, and it makes me laugh. My son's going to kill me for sharing this, but I'm going <laughs> to do it anyway. <laughs> my husband and I were in Mexico. My son was in kindergarten and he, I, I get a phone call and I see it's the school. And at this time, my husband and I had been drinking. So, you know, I see this. So I'm like, oh, great. The school called me. So I answer it. And she's like, Mrs. Hearn, I need to inform you, you know, who was, Uh, caught looking up sex on his Chromebook, you know, so and I just (laughs) burst out laughing. Yeah, like you, because it was so funny to me. Like, yeah, he's five. Like, of course he was, you know, like we're curious human beings. And she got so upset at me for laughing. And I was like, (laughs) you know, I'm sorry, but I find this funny. You know, I will speak to him, but he's not going to be in trouble because, you know, this is a natural unnatural thing. So when I got home, you know, my husband and I sat him down and we read the definition, look it up on your Chromebook, let's read it. So we went through (laughs) it together, you know, and just took that scariness away because the teacher had made him feel like it was bad and it was wrong. And, you know, you need to be reprimanded. And while yes, you know, you shouldn't be looking at that on a school Chromebook, but it's a natural explorative process of our human sexuality. And so to make that into something that should be shameful or you should be corrected of, or I I just didn't feel that that was an appropriate way to deal with it. So, you know, I've always gone with, however I feel in my own body and what feels yeah. right to me and hopefully that resonates with my kids. So, you know, that's, I think that's how I,
0: do it with them, I think it's so beautiful that you were able to kind of you um, know kind of welcome that curiosity, you know, because like kids are curious, they're curious about their bodies. They hear stuff on the bus from their friends, at their friends' houses, at their own home, too, like kids walk in on their parents all the time. and you know, I think for parents, rather than like shaming them and making them feel bad about having that curiosity, it's so incredible to just open that space to like talk to them about it and meet them where they're at and I think that's really amazing that you've been able to do that especially since it wasn't modeled for you growing up you know it's been something that you've had to really learn on your own
1: and I think it's important too to your point to be open to who your kids are so everybody's expression of their sexuality is different. So what I might say to one of my children might not be what I would say to one of my other children, just because their own boundaries and their own expression of themselves and what makes them uncomfortable or what makes them comfortable is different. So even though we do have family discussions, we also have individual discussions for that reason. Like you said, everyone's going through their own journey and I think it's important to, you know, let people express themselves how they're showing up.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. Just kind of, I don't know, really listening to them and what they're bringing forward and like meeting them at that
1: place. And yoga is always a great cop out for getting walked in on. (laughs) (laughs) We just say we're helping each other stretch. (laughs) (laughs) that's what we used to say you know worked forever now it's like (laughs) hey if you want to walk in our room without knocking that's your own problem like yeah (laughs) I wouldn't walk in your room without knocking either (laughs) yeah
0: that's oh my gosh that's great and I think it also speaks to like I mean yoga is just to me it's kind of on a spectrum with like sex in a way of because it's like connecting with your body and yourself. and I think like sex is also connecting with your body and yourself and if you're doing assisted stretching, like that is very similar to like sex as well.
1: <laughs> and I agree with you so much in that way as well because in speaking with my husband about this podcast and just sex conversations we've had, i I feel like sex for me was one of the only ways that i could really be in my body and i think that's why i've connected sexually so much because i feel so in my body when i'm having sex or being sexual um yeah. in a different way totally different way than moving my body physically or any of those things i mean i've actually ripped my hamstring doing dancer's pose because (laughs) I don't feel into my body. So it's a problem, you know? And I don't know when I'm, when I'm in that sexual space, I just feel into my body completely differently. And my husband said that to me and it really resonated because it's like, yeah, it is a total different inward perspective. So it was interesting to me as I was, you know, kind of preparing my mind for this podcast. I was amazed at how all the trauma that I've gone through sexually and being raped and, you know, still having that openness and always feeling free sexually. Yeah, yeah, our body protects us in different ways. And I think One way my body protected me from those instances of molestation and rape and trauma to my sexual being is through leaving my body. And so, you know, it is a way that we do protect ourselves, but it also, I think, for myself has really preserved that sexual energy and space for me where I can fully tap into that and i i don't have any of the trauma from it so i it's just it's an amazing thing to me how the mind and the body and the it all works because you know i can walk into a grocery store and see cops and i i can't even walk but yeah. i've been raped and i can still fully express myself sexually so yeah it's just It's amazing to me how the body and and brain connection works and to see it in in my own body and feel it in my own body.
0: And I think for you, it seems like sexuality has been, like even though it's been a source of pain, it's also been a place of immense like healing and connection and love and belonging and, you know, all sorts of incredible things.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And as I was preparing too, I thought about that with monogamy for me. I think that's a big reason why I've always been in like monogamous long-term relationships is that reasoning, the safety issue, you know, I don't feel safe in my surroundings at all. Basically ever right now. Um, So, you know, that's one of my goals is is felt moments of safety because I I do not feel safe and you know increasing that window of tolerance and learning our cues of safety and unsafe and how we're feeling really in that moment and I think because for me sex is such an in the moment thing yeah. that I'm so connected to my body in that moment and that's how I want to ultimately live my life. So instead of disconnecting and instead of being hypervigilant and, Mm. you know, with my ex and all of that, there has been stalking and, you know, real safety concerns for, you know, two almost two decades now. So my body living in that hypervigilant, stressful state is really taking a toll on my body and so I really want to live in that state that I'm in when I'm in a sexual space in my whole life (laughs) that's that's my goal
0: (laughs) that would be amazing like that having those feelings of safety in your body and like being like so present and deeply there in your body and not needing to leave not feeling scared about anything, and also feeling, I don't know, like, connected it seems. It, I feel like you and your your husband have, like, a really supportive and nurturing and caring connection.
1: We do, and I'm so grateful for that, too, because I think that is what has really allowed me to express myself sexually in our marriage, is that sense of safety that i have with him he knows my better my body better than i do and i will <laughs> fully admit that <laughs> but that is why the sex is so good in my opinion is because he's so gentle he's so loving he knows my yeah. yeses he knows my noes without me even saying anything he can feel if i tense or move or eh. You know, there's yeah. bodily cues that he is so in tune with that it, it just is everything is a yes almost because of the way it's done. So I think that too, just really that foundation of safety and sexuality for me has really allowed me to explore that side of myself with my partner. So I think that's a huge, huge thing for me in sex.
0: Yeah, because I think we often need that foundation of safety in order to feel like we can really drop into that moment with that person. And, you know, we can be good about setting our boundaries and knowing what we want and what we need, but like really having that partner who not only like respects that, but really like creates that space for you to feel like, you know, all those things are celebrated is so important. And it seems like he really does that, you know, like being very in tune with what your body's saying and, you know, like looking out for things so that you don't always have to speak because sometimes it is really hard to say things, you know?
1: Yeah. Whereas if, you know, someone says, hey, do you want me to try to fist you tonight? Uh, No, I don't. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, no, that sounds like the opposite. Something I want to do. Yes, <laughs> you know. Whereas if someone just kind of eases you into it, you might be more open to it. But yeah. you know, it's those type of things where it really is the felt versus the said. So you know, there's so much in our relationship, in our marriage, that is a felt sense of safety that creates that type of environment. And I'm hopeful that that's what our kids feel as well. Is that that safety of being here at home is something that keeps them open, open to possibilities, open to yourself, open to others, you know, just that openness where you feel free to explore.
0: I'm wondering if you have any tips for, you know, like for people who have experienced trauma in their healing but also like approaching sexuality too as a survivor
1: so I think really knowing your own yes and no's, and knowing for yourself what those boundaries are and then having a partner or someone that you're with whoever that may be setting those boundaries and knowing that this will be a safe exchange of energy, whatever level that may go to, but knowing that both people are here, fully present, and that this is a safe exchange place. So, you know, I think really just honoring your own body and your own journey and and really listening to what a yes feels like in your body and what a no feels like. And then just speaking your truth. If it's a yes, say yes. And if it's a no, say no, just be fully yeah. present in your body and, and go with what does or doesn't feel right to you.
0: That's really powerful. Um, for someone who might not know like what a yes or what a no feels like would you have any advice for them
1: uh, so this is something that i think for everybody it feels different but a yes for me is an excitement it's a adrenaline rush um could be a flushing a tingling feeling a no is like an instant jarring no for me nowadays. Before, my yeses and noes were very muddy. Um, I have really started journaling and deciphering do's, don'ts, wants, needs, desires, um, things I don't like. and. My husband, again, is so supportive in this and my kids. Um, <laughs> my son said to me the other day, you don't need to always put us first. You know, if you have to be oh. somewhere, you should get there. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think, you know, like having a support system around you too, that supports your yeses and your noes. I think that is so important so that you can really tune into what a yes or what a no feels like for you.
0: Yeah, that's really powerful to have that big support system there to kind of help you.
1: Yeah, I think it's really important, especially if you're learning to tune into your body. Um, For me now, you know, a tightening of my throat, inability to get my words out, my tics getting worse, all of those are symptoms and signs to me to say, whoa, something isn't right here, whether it's someone's energy or whatever is going on. So mine are a little bit more obvious now. (laughs) Um, Where before, you know, I wasn't really paying attention. So my body had to say, hey, wake up. (laughs) (laughs) So now mine are pretty obvious. Um, You know, if I'm not Living in alignment and with my truth, that's when I end up having ticks. And um, if I continue down that path, then that's when I end up having a seizure. So Mm -hmm. for me, it really has all become about listening to my yeses and nos. And being a mother, that's really hard because I have three children and I have a husband and I was a career woman. So, There basically was nothing I was saying no to. I was saying yes to everything. And I burnt myself out. So, (laughs) you know, um, if I could give people advice, it's to listen to your fuck yeses and your fuck no's and really stand on that and say, this is not in alignment for me and this isn't working and this is a no for me. And that's something that I'm learning to do. So, you know that's that's my advice
0: gosh yes and it can be such a tough process and I like you know that you acknowledge that it's something that you're still learning too because I think sometimes we want it to be like something that we overnight shift and Mm -hmm. often that's not the case you know it takes a while to really like to let our bodies trust that like we are listening because I think that you know, after we haven't listened for so long, they're like, "Mm, I don't know if you're really listening. And I don't know if I can trust you.
1: And that's what this whole experience has really taught me is that right there, because I was so going against myself, even after I had gotten sick. And after I six months in, I really thought that this would just go away. And that I would go back to work and return to my old way of being. And what this has shown me is that my old way of being does not work for my body. It does not. My old job does not work for my body. Being around trauma constantly does not work for my body. So I have been forced to sit and listen to my body and go, whoa, like, This is so out of alignment that I can't even speak or walk. So it has really, really forced me to take a deep dive into the self and see what is true for me. Outside of my kids, outside of my husband, just me.
0: That's been, I mean, such a big journey for you. And. Also, it's led to really, I mean, enormous changes in your life. You were telling me, you know, when we spoke about a month ago that you'd left your job and, you know, that's a job that you've had for a very long time and meant a lot to you and you left it and now you're, you know, starting on this completely new path. And would you like to share some of the things that you have coming up?
1: Yes, yeah, so, like you said, a lot of changes have occurred. um I'm not working, so it is uh, a different part of my life and a different season of my life. It's been interesting to just have my soul focus beyond myself <laughs> um, so that is different, but I have a lot of people around me that are healers and offer just so many wonderful things. So it's nice to have those people surrounding me and then co-collaborating with my Western medicine doctors as well. So the environment has been just wonderful for healing. And that brings me to in um, March 6th through March 12th of 2024. My girlfriend Pam Grossom is going to be hosting a retreat, finding joy in your journey in Cabo Pomo, Mexico, and I'll be there so supporting her and helping her out where I can. But this is just something that I'm so excited to be a part of. Um, Pam is an intuitive healer as well. And she has really helped me uh, along my journey of healing over the last 16 months. And her husband is a acupuncturist. So it's just been so nice having this team around me and It'll be nice to be there to support her on this journey as well. So come down to Cabo Pulmo, Mexico and join us March 6th through March 12th, 2024.
0: Oh my gosh, and that then, yeah, sounds like, amazing.
1: Yes, it, it, it will be great. It's such a healing, healing environment down there. Um, it is just a magical, magical place down there. And the people and the amount of healing energy that will... Um, exude from the space will just be magic as well so um yeah my my sole focus here is on healing and that's what i continue to do so i just appreciate you opening the space and and allowing me to be here with you in this uh safe environment healing environment
0: thank you brandy it's been so lovely to hear your story and your journey and I'm so excited that you're taking this time to just focus on your healing. And I'm excited to hear about all the things that come next for you. So thank you for being here on the podcast.
1: Thank you, Kelsey. And thank you for your continued support. So I can't wait to see what comes next for you as well. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Thank you.